We've been in this sit, walk, and stand for about four weeks now, I believe it is. And we're going to revisit some verses that we looked at uh, last week. Specifically, uh, second chapter of Ephesians, verses 5 and 6. It says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now those are the two verses I want to kind of focus on today, but we're going to be moving around Scripture and talking about sitting. You know, one of, the, one of the things that we've learned thus far is that we as followers of Jesus Christ, one of the things that we need to realize is that it wasn't that we walked up to the seat that sits next to Jesus and sat out. We didn't do anything that would get us to that seat. And if we believe that we have to do anything to serve God, we're sadly mistaken. For it is that we are in Christ that we can do anything that's pleasing to God. So what Paul has written, again, the verse says, even when we were dead in sins, dead in our sins, we understand that. We understand what the word dead means. It doesn't mean a little bit alive. It doesn't mean that there's a little bit of heart breathing, there's a little bit of breathing, there's some brain activity. That's not what it means. That person is alive. They may be near death, but they are alive. Right. If they've got, if they're breathing and, and they've got brain activity and their heart is beating, then they are alive. Now they may pass away soon, but at that moment they are alive. But Scripture teaches us: it says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened. It would be God if we went back up to the previous verse, verse four. It says, but God, it says that quickened us together. With Christ, by grace, are you saved. And I've mentioned previously that uh, this is uh, in parentheses. By grace are you saved. And then a few verses later, Paul writes, For by grace are you saved through faith. He deals with that. But Paul injected that thought in parentheses there. Because it's important that we understand those things. So it says that in, uh, in verse 6, it says, And hath raised us up <coughs> together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, and this was all done before the foundation of the world. Remember chapter 1. That it was in Christ. Everything in chapter 1 we saw, I believe it, 12 times. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Everything that was done. Every blessing that we receive is in and through by Christ. Other places of Scripture teaches us that we can do nothing that is pleasing to God without Christ. And we've been talking about this sitting. We haven't gotten into the walking portion. We haven't gotten into the standing portion yet. We're still talking about sitting. Now, the sinning portion of what I've been trying to preach over the last four weeks has been uh, from the aspect of things eternal and not things here in this world. But understand the things, the blessings that we receive in this world are because we are in Christ. 
It's not that we placed us there. It says that God raised us together with Him. Raised, raised us up together with Christ Jesus. Yeah. So in the mind and purpose of God, that God raised each and every one of His children up when He raised up Christ before the foundation of the world. Brother Chris, but, he, but Jesus wasn't crucified. Well, Scripture teaches us until he wasn't crucified until much, much later after creation. But we know that Scripture teaches us that God knows, sees the end from the beginning. Notice the phraseology, if you want to go look that up, it doesn't say the beginning from the end. It says he knows the end from the beginning, which means he's seen all things completed, and he saw them completed before they ever began. So, in the mind and purpose of God, we can see in Revelation 13, verse 8, that, that, that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. That is what, that's what that verse says. That the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world. So in the mind and purpose of God, all that He did in Christ, He did for each and every one of us before the foundation of the world. And every blessing we receive is in Christ. And that we have life in Christ was God's purpose for His people. Or at least... One of them. So when we look at this, I want to look and take another little step and look at uh, sitting in a different fashion. Now, what we've talked about is sitting with Christ, in Christ, in heavenly places, about things eternal, and how we receive our blessings, and how we get grace, and how we get uh, have mercy bestowed upon us. These things we've studied, this all by, by God and what He has done. Now I want to talk a little bit about a sitting. Remember about the sitting part that... Uh, as long as you're standing, you're, you're working. Your body, your brain is functioning in a way that, that is, is keeping you balanced. You know, if you're normal and healthy and you don't have any issues uh, that would cause you to lose your balance. But, but your whole body is functioning when you're standing up. It's, it's helping you to maintain your, your balance and uh, your breathing, your heart's pumping, your kidneys, all those things. And, and we've got our full weight distributed on our two legs. I don't know about y'all, but when I stand for a length of time, I get tired. But I can tell you this, I don't get too tired when I'm sitting. The point is you're not working when you're sitting. That's right. One of the things that men uh, in Christianity today tries to persuade or convince people of is that you have to work before you can sit. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you have to come to your understanding in your mind that you sit first. It's not that you put yourself there, but you are in Christ first and foremost from the, before the foundation of the world. So when you begin, when you, when you get your brain wrapped around that very idea, then the walking becomes much easier because we're supposed to walk for Christ at that point. If we think that we get into heaven or have eternal salvation by walking, that's not what it says. For by grace are you saved, is what he said. Unmerited favor. So when we see those things, we want to, I want you to make sure that you understand. I'm about to move from things eternal and the blessing we receive to things temporal or here in this world now. And there is a sitting that goes along with that also that is absolutely related to Jesus Christ and what He does. So first I want to lay some groundwork. Turn back to Luke. 
the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It is the last chapter of the book of Luke. Even in the world today, we've got to sit and wait on Christ before we can before, before we can be an effective Christian. Again, I'm talking about things in this world. I'm talking about temporal things. I'm not talking about eternal things here. But there's still sit or sit and wait. Wait upon the Lord. So when, if you're in the 24th chapter, look at verse 49. This is the ascension of Christ, where Christ, having said His final words to the disciples, and begins to ascend into heaven. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Here's some things we know about this. That this is 30, excuse me, 40 days when Jesus says this. We know that this is 40 days after Passover. Now he tells the disciples to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. That's a, that's a, I want you to understand what he said. Now we all know that he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost coming <laughs> and doing them. But notice how he refers to the Holy Spirit. He says it is the promise of the Father. Mm-hmm. And he says I will send him. I want you to hang on to that for a second. So what do we know that they did? 52 and 53. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Brother, they saw the Savior resurrected. And they saw him ascend to the right hand of the Father. And he said, he said then y'all go back to Jerusalem and wait upon the promise of the Father. And they worshipped him as he stood there and as he ascended. And they went back to Jerusalem with joy in their heart. Their Savior, they were all now persuaded, was not dead. Are you persuaded that your Savior, Jesus Christ, is not dead? I am. What we see here is it says, And they worshipped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple, praising and blessing God. Alright, from the time that the Lord ascended to the right hand of the Father, until they were endued with the Holy Ghost. That was a 10 day period. Why do we know that? We go to the book of Acts and it says in the second chapter, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. And we know that Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. We know that. And scripture tells us that Jesus tarried for 40 days after he rose from the grave. So we know they went back to Jerusalem for 10 days. And Jesus didn't tell them, on Pentecost, you're going to be in duty. He said, go back and wait. He said, go and wait. And that's what they did. But in the meantime, in their waiting process, what did they do? And they, can, and they were continually in the temple praising God, praising and blessing God. Think about that. The Lord gave them instruction to go and wait. That they didn't put aside anything else that they knew was the right thing to do. They went and they worshiped and they praised God. Brother, that's one of the things that we need to 
remember is that we may be waiting on God to do something in our life. We may have been praying about an, an issue or a situation in our life, but we should not allow ourselves to stop praying and blessing God in the temple. Now, this is no temple, but you know what it's talking about. Church. The importance of church is one of the things we're going to look at a little bit later when we're talking about sitting, being seated with Christ. But as we press through this, turn to the book of Acts. Just turn over one page. I'm excuse me, two books. Next, the next chapter is, or the next book is John and Acts. Turn to the first chapter of the book of Acts. Beginning in verse 1, it reads, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he shewed him himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled, look, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. There it is again. Wait, very specific. Wait on the promise of the Father. Uh, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Jesus said that in the Gospels when he was talking to them and he told them to go back to Jerusalem and wait upon the promise of the Father. And then he followed, he said, and you've heard me talk about him. Mm -hmm. I've told you about him. In verse 5 it says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Turn over to the second chapter. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. They were sitting. They were together. And it says that they were of one accord. What does that mean? It means they were of one mind. There was one spirit, one soul, one direction. They were all going in the same direction, willingly and lovingly. And that was what they were doing. That was going to, the, going to church and worshiping the Lord and praying and blessing the Lord. That's what they were told to do. Now, Jesus didn't say, y'all go back and do this. But he said, go ahead and wait. They knew what else they needed to do. Right. Those things didn't change. That's right. Just because Jesus said, go do this, didn't mean you had to drop it. You got to drop everything else that's important. Because those things are important also. So as we continue to read and look at this, it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were, uh, and there were dwelling of Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Understand, 
The day of Pentecost was an important day in the Jewish faith. So it's Passover. They didn't have Ford, Chevy, and Dodge to drive back to. So those that traveled a great distance, when they got there for Passover, they stayed in Jerusalem That's right. through, uh, through Pentecost. Because it was long travel. Many it took as much as two months to get there. But notice, it, notice how it describes those, in the, those folks there. It says, and there were dwelling of Jerusalem Jews. They were Jews. Devout men out of every nation under heaven. There were Jews there. There were people from every nation there. There were not Jews also. But scripture says they were devout men. So that should tell us something. They were children of God. Mm-hmm. Devout Men. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. The speaking in tongues that they're talking about right there doesn't exist today. That was an authority that the Holy Spirit gave to those men. Not only those apostles we know for sure, on this day, the 120 in the room were speaking languages they never spoke before. Now, I can't say that after that day that it continued, but I do have evidence that it did here, and I know that Paul addressed the topic. He said he spoke in tongues more than anybody else. He says, but it ain't profitable unless there's somebody that can understand it. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. He was talking about that heavenly language. But this was a language that if, if you're from Georgia, and you were from, another was from Africa, another was from Spain, they all spoke different languages. You would hear the Word of God in your home or brought up or born language. That's right. That's right. That's the power of God through the Holy Spirit. That's the promise that God has sent. So they were together, one accord, one mind, one spirit, one soul, one purpose. It was to praise God. This is something that only you can do after you're born again. I had somebody call me one time and said, Brother Christian, on the day of Pentecost when, when the disciples were born again, I said, wait, 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 wait. What makes you say that? He said, well, they were in due with the Holy Spirit. I said, well, how can we go back to the Gospels since this hadn't happened? How can we go back to the Gospels and say that when Jesus talked to Peter uh, and he asked them, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what did he, how did he respond to him? He said, absolutely right. You know how you know that? Because God revealed it to you. He was born again then. That's right. Now these special powers, these special, this special authority came on the day of Pentecost yeah. to them. That they could do miracles. That they could heal the sick, raise the dead, cause the blind to see. To show that when they spoke of things of Jesus, they had authority to do so. That's right. And then you go study those those apostles that through the book of Acts, they never said, in the power of Peter, I raise you up. No. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, pick up your bed and walk. Yeah. He never took credit for it. He was just a vessel. That's right. Neither did any of the others. So do you see the groundwork that I've laid? Jesus told them to go to Jerusalem and wait. They were obedient. They went to Jerusalem and they waited. They didn't have... They didn't know the time frame. They knew it would be long, but they didn't know how long. So they go and they do just that. And they continue to do what they were supposed to do every day. They went to the temple, they worshiped, and they prayed and blessed God every day during that process. 
I would imagine that they did some on their own, and I imagine that probably most of it was as a group, as we have right here. So that is that is a type of walk when he says go and wait, but you're sitting and waiting on the Lord to move in your life. Brother, we need to learn to do that. We need to learn to sit and wait upon the Lord. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. It's the first book of the New Testament. Because there's blessings when we sit in this world before Christ. But Chris, he's, been, he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. How can we sit before him? Brother, and I tell you today, right now, if the Lord is with us here, we're sitting Amen. in the presence of Christ. There, there are blessings that the world will not receive because it does not have the ability to sit in the presence of God. We're in Matthew chapter 14. Let's look, begin at verse 15. This is the when Jesus fed the 5,000 men with some bread and some fish. He, was, he had behind him an 18-wheeler that was loaded down with, with uh, you know, dried fish and <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, a thousand loads of bread. I don't think so. No. That didn't happen. But actually what had happened is that just prior to this, John the Baptist had been beheaded. So Jesus left the area because it was probably pretty high that they were going to come look for him next. Because John the Baptist spoke of Jesus. And it was getting later in the day that it was time to start preparing to go to bed. Verse 15. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. Remember that. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. He says, It's late today. It's, you know, it's a desert. We've got to find a place to kind of lay down and rest our heads. And uh, the multitude, uh, send them off somewhere there in the village so they can take care of themselves. Now, Understand this. These disciples had been pressing forward and walking and all the things, just like Jesus was. So they're just as tired as Jesus. They knew how tired he was. They loved him and wanted to take care of him. I mean, that's certainly understandable. But Jesus saw the multitude and the need in that multitude. And he says, not me. I'm come to serve. He says, y'all just tell them to have a seat. We'll get to that in just a second. It says, but Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give ye them to eat. He says, we're going to feed them. We're going to feed them. And can you see Peter? We ain't got no food. I mean, I can just see Peter doing that. In verse 17, and they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. Well, if you look at 5,000 men, Some loaves of bread and a couple of fish, you ain't got no food. There's not even. In verse 18, it says, He said, Bring them hither to me. Jesus said, Bring it to me. Now we know this story. But I want you to consider this. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. It was a desert place, though. Now, we think about a desert, we think about, at least in my mind, I think about the Sahara Desert where there's just dunes and dunes and dunes of, of sand that shifts in the wind and all that. That's not the way it is over there. It's rocky, not a 
uh, and it's hot at, at certain times of the year, and there's drought conditions uh, many times during the course of the year. However, there are locations where there are patches, green pastures. You see, the disciples, the, the disciples were seeing the rocky dirt over there, but Jesus says there's a green pasture right here. Y'all have to see it. And he, and he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to, multitude, uh, to, uh, to the multitude. And they did all eat. And when we were filled, they, uh, and they took up the fragments that remained 12 baskets full. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. There could have been 10,000 people or more. You think about that. That number of people following Jesus. Now let's break this down and, and, and consider that sit. What happens when, when, we, when, we, when we are standing? I want you to think about this in your own life. When I'm standing in front of somebody, and as, a, as, a, as my secular job, I'm a salesperson, so I do a lot of standing in front of people, and I talk to people that way. I prefer to sit down, because as long as you're standing, it's a debate. When you sit down, it's a discussion. That's just me. But human nature is this. that It is very easy when you are standing to be distracted. But also... You can ask questions. More questions are asked when, when people are standing on their feet than when they're sitting down. So I want you to think about this for a second. If they would have continued, let me rephrase it. If they had disobeyed Jesus because it says he commanded them to sit on the grass. If they had refused to sit, I don't think they would have been blessed with the bread and fish. Because they were not being obedient. So let's take for consideration that there were a handful that didn't sit. Everybody but say a handful. Jesus, when they brought the, the bread and the fishes to him, it says he lifted up his eyes, and maybe it doesn't say it, but maybe he lifted the bread and the fish into the sky as well. Praise the Lord, bless the food. And then begin to break it apart and give it to the disciples for them to distribute to the masses. One of the things that happens is that now people have, have their eye on who is breaking up the bread and the fish. If they're sitting, generally when people sit, they all sit in the same direction. Mm -hmm. yeah. <coughs> so they're all seeing one thing. They're seeing Jesus praise the Lord and to bless Him and to bless the food. And then He began to take and break the bread and distribute the fish to the disciples and in turn the disciples to those who were seated. Those that were not seated, let's just say a handful of them, and they were over here in the back, they were talking, they didn't see what just happened. They missed the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ praying and blessing God and the food. They missed that because they were not in the presence of Jesus. They were not prepared to watch what was happening. So they were here talking, having a little conversation. <clears throat> then 
Jesus gives the disciples. Here's you some. Here's you some. He gives all 12 of them some. He says, take it over there. Take it over there. You take it over there to that group. You take it over there to that group. Now see, when these, these multitudes sat down, they probably didn't sit down and boom all together. They probably broke up into pockets. People knew each other and that sort of thing. They broke up into groups, most likely. So you might have Peter take, take some over here to this group and then over here to this group and then maybe go back to Jesus to get some more, if you will. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. Did, have you ever noticed that, that the increase of that food did not happen when Jesus prayed for it and all of a sudden poof, there was enough food there to feed everybody? It happened at the distribution point. Jesus gave it to the disciples and then the disciples gave it out. And they, it seemed like it never ended. Brother, it's no different today. When we are seated and paying attention to Jesus, we may only see an individual. We might not understand exactly what He's doing. But through the ministry today, that is how the Lord takes and distributes His multiplication facts of whatever that might be. When the prophet in the days of the Old Testament said, fix me a cake. And she says to him, you know, we were just going to fix our last, take a little bit of last of our oil and a little bit of last of our dough and I was going to make us a cake and we were going to lay down and die. He said, fix me one. The increase didn't happen all of a sudden. They had plenty of oil. What they had never ceased to exist. That's right. It never ran out. That's right. It was dealt out to them as it was needed. Yes. Brother, that's the way the Lord works. He just doesn't plop it in our, in our, in our laps. But if we're sitting... And we're watching and he'll give us exactly That's right. what we need when we need it. There have been times in one of my fathers in the ministry, I told him, I come out of the stand and I mean, you know, I just didn't feel good about that sermon. I just didn't, I just, it, I just was off, you know. I just, I was just off. He said, don't you ever tell a member of the congregation that. I said, why? He said, because it's not you, it's the Lord. He can take that feeble message, he can take the worst message you ever preached, and make it glorify him. That's and, right. And lodge it in the heart yeah. of an individual. But if you're not seated, you'll miss that. That's right. But I think there's a whole lot we can get out of this picture about being in church. I think there's a whole lot that we can see about the apostles, how Jesus told them to go and wait in Jerusalem. Yeah. Wait upon the promise of the Father. And every blessing that we receive is a promise from the Father. Right. I mean, He's already given us the Holy Spirit. If you're here today because you love the Lord and you want to worship Him, the promise of the Father is with you. The Holy Spirit. But you take this multitude of people and just look at them. What would they have missed if they had never sit or sat? When they were all filled. It doesn't, see, back in the days, uh, in those days, the Jewish thing was if you didn't eat until you were full and there wasn't food left over, it wasn't a good meal. It was lacking. That was the mindset of the consideration. So one of the things, the facts that we know is while these people were seated, they ate until they were filled. That's what Scripture says. They were full. They were ready to take a nap. 
They certainly didn't want to go back to the villages and try to have a place to find a place. They could probably just slept right there. <laughs> but there was fragments left over. Yeah, you know, I've been to ball games and been to the movie theater and the movie's over and you get up and you walk and you're leaving and there's a half eaten bucket of popcorn right there on the floor. You know, and there's a coat, empty coat, whatever, soft drink sitting over there and maybe some candy wrappers over there. You know, those are like fragments of what have been eaten. That's not what was there. That was not what was at the end of this food no, fest. No. At the end of this food fest was 12 basketful of fragments left over. The question has been asked, where did they get these baskets? The simplistic answer is, is that there was a uh, the tradition of, and it, you, know, you, can, you can call it what you will, you can buy into it or believe it or not, it doesn't matter. But it kind of makes sense. It says when they, when they were rushing out of Egypt, they packed whatever they could pack in baskets. We would, if, if it was today, it would be a backpack. Because that's how they traveled. They would pack in what you and I would call a basket. Whether it was loosely you know, brought together and had handles on it or whatever, and they closed, you closed it up and they take it over their shoulders. It was sometimes uh, it would have their provisions in it. You know, you call it a suitcase if you want to. But uh, uh, it had their provisions in it. And maybe even some old straw so they could make a bed to sleep in. They had these baskets. And I'm curious about that basket. And 12 of them being full. Not so much where the baskets come from, but there was a basket for every disciple. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now that just kind of that just kind of that just strikes me as humorous, but it strikes me as fascinating that there was there was twelve baskets of this fragment left over. How good do you think that fish and bread was? I think it was probably pretty good. I'm not a huge fish eater, but I think it was probably pretty good fish. And they had twelve baskets of that. What did they what did they do with that? Have you ever been to a service, worship service, and when it was over, it was like. Them preachers brought out a dozen points that I'd never considered. Yeah. And they didn't finish preaching on any of them. They just, they, the Lord used His Holy Spirit and used through them to point these things out to you. Now you've got 12 nuggets that you can meditate on. That's right. So to speak. It may, it may have been two. You know, but I'm just using that as an example. What do you do with that? I hope that we would take that home and meditate upon it. Yeah. But in this aspect, from the real sense that these who were seated, if they didn't go anywhere, they had the next meal already provided for them. Or, if they went home and they were given a, a portion of that to go with them, that, and they came across somebody that had not eaten, they were able to feed them. Because nobody else had any food. There were only five loaves of bread and two fish. They weren't much prepared. And, I, and brother, I think that's the same thing that we have today, that, that when we come to a worship service, and, and the Lord gives us those nuggets, and, and sometimes they give me three or four, that I have to write it down so I don't forget them. And it gives me an opportunity to go back and meditate on them. But sometimes, I think that happens more times than we recognize. So we, and the only way that happens is if we're seated before Jesus. I'm not Jesus. And He's able to take my feeble words and give you nuggets. That's right. For you to use little morsels that you can meditate upon. Mm-hmm. Had a visitor come by the house on Friday night. That visitor 
brought some of our favorite stuff for us little morsels that we could nibble on called fudge. Still got a little bit of morsel left. But if we had to been at home, guess what? We would have got it. But if we don't come to church and we don't sit before Jesus, we don't get those notes. Amen. We don't get those fragments that we can take off and then they will continue. They will sustain us. We can even help others with it. Twelve baskets from so little. And knowing that, listen, that's a little bit of church over there. They ain't got a lot of people. They ain't got no young people. And I'm glad the Lord's given us young people. But you know what? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is teaching us about this sit here. That sometimes we just need to sit, shut up, and listen. The Lord doesn't speak in the booming voice. That's right. He speaks in the still, small voice. What we found in the tornado, what we found in the storm. That's right. It was the still, small voice. Amen. Amen. Sit. And if we're up and about and walking and running here and running there, we're not listening. We're focused on the other things. But when we sit, we might even just look down and go, there's 12 baskets of morsels sitting around me. And I didn't know it. You ever come back from or, or miss the meeting and, and talk to some folks come out, you should have been there. You should have been there. Oh, the Lord was just thick with the Holy Spirit. You could feel the love from breast to breast was going. We can feel the Lord's presence. That picks me up. I love to hear that. But it doesn't pick me up as much as it would as if I was there. That's right. But I did get a morsel from it. And that's better than nothing. But to sit before the presence of God, when it's a struggle for you to come to church and you come, I think you get a little morsel to take home with you. That's right. When it's a struggle for you to to to, to uh, come and sit before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and worship Him, there's baskets of food left over that you can go back and say, you know, I got a little bit in my pocket now, and I got a little food there. There, when things start getting a little tough, need a little energy, take a little bite of you know a little bite of food. You're going about from the natural standpoint, from the spiritual standpoint. When we're being bombarded with the world with the way it is today, we need a pocket full of these fragments all the time. Amen. And even like peanuts. Yes. Amen. Taking the basket with us. I mean, our families can be difficult for us sometimes. Our job can be difficult for us sometimes. Our own health can be difficult for us sometimes. But we need that morsel that we can go back and just... One of the things that we were talking about, Lord, I was talking about on the way up this morning, we were talking about death and people that we've known. We both both spoke of Sister Joanne and Sister Edith. These were people that left a fine, fine example. Amen. Sister Edith. She said, I'm going to be sitting up when the Lord comes. That's right. Sitting up in bed. I'm not going to be laying down. I'm going to be sitting when he comes to get me. Mm-hmm. And I hope this doesn't hurt your heart, Brother Raymond, but when your wife was being wheeled back to the emergency portion to see about her ailment, and she points to what was written on the sign. Mm-hmm. God is good all, all the time. time. Amen. 
no matter what happens, it's the Lord's will, and it's good. That, those things are morsels. Amen. Those are the best kind of morsels. It reaffirms our faith. When, when, when the men cry out to Jesus, help thou my unbelief. Brother, you want to help your unbelief today? Sit before Jesus. Sit before the Lord. And do it with joy. Do it with one accord. Sit in that mindset that I'm going to worship my Lord. Because He loved me enough that He sent His only begotten Son to take my sins and nail them on the cross. He took my place on the cross. And He did it before the foundation of the world. In the mind and purpose of God. That's the way He recognized it. it was already, he was so sure, since He had already seen the end from the beginning, He was so sure who Jesus was going to die for, He counted it to, to, toward them before it ever happened. Man, that's a loving God. We could go down and see those morsels that when we were while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Amen. Amen. While we were enemies of God, while we hated God and we didn't want anything to do with Him, Christ died for us. When we say we love the Lord and we don't walk that way. Christ died for us. That, those are morsels. You only get those from Jesus Himself. And if you don't come before Him, do I? Is, is this the only place? I can tell you, the church is the most common place. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to go to the bank, are you going to go to the to the woods to to, to withdraw some money? There ain't no money in the woods. But if you need cash, where are you going to go? To the bank. That's where you're going to go. Brother, I tell you, you can, you can from time to time, like in the woods, you might find something that has some value to it, some real monetary value. You might stumble across it. But I tell you, if you want, and, and out there in the world, and you might even find somebody, you might walk into it, and they say, praise the Lord, and you catch on a little conversation about the good Lord, how good He's been. That's wonderful. But I, to me, that's getting more and more rare in the world today. But if I want to feast upon the Lord's feast, if I want to see Him feed 5,000 men plus their wives and children, come to where it's common, the church. Amen. So that when you leave, you have a little, you have a handful of that 12 basket full in your pocket. And remember that the increase doesn't come in the open. The increase comes at distribution. When the Lord starts passing out those morsels, that's when He never runs out. He doesn't go, here's all the morsels for you. That's all there is. Because if you saw, if, if you saw, think about it this way. If you saw, if Jesus prayed, and all of a sudden, sitting on the ground there, on that beautiful stretch of pasture, the green grass, there was enough fish and bread just, just like that to feed everybody that was present it would still run out, wouldn't it? But it's when, when it's at the distribution point, it never runs out. Jesus never missed filling a belly. 
He gave everyone their fill. And He can do the same for me and you today. So sit in His presence. Desire to be with Him. And I know, listen, I know it's difficult. I'm out there in the world too. Every single day. I have to smile at people that use language I don't care for. Because I'm trying to make a living. And I'm trying to do right by my company to make to make money for the company that I work for. But this is where I come from. Morsels. It's among God's people. Amen. To see Jesus. And I hope you do the same. May God bless you to my prayer.